hey, it's Seeking Plum. So I think I've kind of had my mind blown. Either that or I'm just dazed and confused. Frankly, I prefer the former, but you never know. So I just picked up uh, one of the Socrates books again that I've been talking about off and on for a while now. Socrates is quoted as making this throwaway line. He says, philosophy is the greatest of the arts. Okay, when I first read this, I had to pause. I've heard uh, topics like language and literature and things like that sometimes being considered um, arts because they're not things like science and math. So I thought, well, maybe that's what he means. But in the context of the conversation and what's being talked about, that didn't seem the case. He was talking about poetry and creating something. In that context, when I think of art, I think of the artist creating something expressing something for the viewer or the consumer to make of it what they will. But I've never considered philosophy to be something like that, where ideas or concepts are made up of brushstrokes and small and big flourishes that are waved this way and that full of colors and contrasts for us to take in that just never crossed my mind. Now I'm sitting here thinking, could this possibly be true? Or am I missing something? Did he really mean it in the other way, in the other context? Or was there a different meaning in that era that it completely is missed now? I kind of like the idea of philosophy being artistic but I'm not sure I can wrap my head around it quite yet. I don't know, the more I think about it, the more beautiful the idea is. But I still keep wondering, am I missing something? Am I reading something into it that just isn't there? Hmm. I've heard it said that we don't have many modern day philosophers. And if that's true, then you could also say that maybe there aren't that many modern-day artists in this medium. Is it a lost art? I, I guess I have another question too. What really makes art? Because if every philosopher is coming up with the same ideas, then it's not really artistic, is it? We're all just essentially doing the same jumping jack, for lack of a better analogy. But maybe that's a false assumption. However you define a true philosopher, maybe they do come up with unique ideas, and that's somehow a true artist? I don't know, so many questions, all from this throwaway line. I wish he had elaborated. He says nothing before and after it. He just goes on about poetry. Do you think philosophy could be considered an art or artistic? If you do, then why or how? And if you don't, again, I guess how, why? I still want to pose the question, even if it wasn't his intention. 
because I'm curious. And I guess the next question is, is if it was his intention, then he says that philosophy is the greatest of the arts. What makes it the greatest? Art is so subjective. I'm certainly intrigued by it, but are you? Call me, tweet me, put a message in the discussion. I want to hear from you. Okay, I'm back with a few more perplexing thoughts, but first, in the previous segment, in the discussion, I included a link to an Instagram post that has a photo of the quote in context that I was referencing for your viewing pleasure. Okay, so in that last segment, I talked about the quote where Socrates mentions that philosophy is the greatest of the arts. Okay, fine. Now, a few page, pages later, there's this quote. He says, Ordinary people seem not to realize that those who really apply themselves in the right way to philosophy are directly and of their own accord preparing themselves for dying and death. If this is true, and they have actually been looking forward to death all of their lives, it would of course be absurd to be troubled when the thing comes for which they have so long been preparing and looking forward. Okay, so a few pages earlier he's talking about philosophy being the greatest of the arts, and now he's talking about philosophy if you really apply yourself in the right way is directly of your own accord preparing yourself for dying and death? Okay, I realize that he is not, uh, he's not all doom and gloom about dying, so there is that. But I'm still having this difficulty of wrapping my head around the possibility of philosophy being this artistic, beautiful thing, and also something that we apply ourselves to in preparation for death and dying. Okay, so I paused for a second there and read a little ahead. Socrates leads them in this conversation asking what does it really mean to die? Is it a separation of the soul from the body? And so on. And then he asks what does it mean to be a philosopher? Do philosophers spend more time on the soul or the body? He gets around to it eventually and says that if philosophers spend more time on the soul than the body, then essentially they have one foot in the grave. Maybe I need to read further. I'd really describe myself as probably like a rung below amateur in the realm of philosophizing, but I don't think of, of it as being a, a one foot in the grave type of thing. Ideas and concepts and philosophizing bring me to life. They make me want to enjoy the pleasures of, of the body that much more. The, the things I eat, the things I see with my eyes, the music and sounds I hear because I can see how much more valuable life is. I don't see that as one foot in the grave. Perhaps that's why I'm not a true philosopher. Maybe I never will be. Maybe I don't want to be. If that's a definition of a true philosopher, I don't think I want to be. I don't want to separate my soul from my body. I want to hang on to the pleasures of both. <laughs> I think I want to go back to thinking about 
philosophy as an art. This you know, one foot in the grave thing is depressing. Man, I'm having one of those moments where I wish I was in this room with these people and I could just ask questions, clarifying questions. Or maybe if I was just a part of their day-to-day -day lives, then I would have a different understanding. Then again, it's kind of interesting to look at these ideas through today's lens. Unfortunately, you can't have it all, can we? Okay, so a few minutes ago, I was rather disappointed that I might not be a philosopher at some point in my life, according to Socrates' definition, however that might be defined. <laughs> As I say that, that sounds kind of ridiculous, but yeah, okay, that, that was a thought that had crossed my mind. Okay, but now that I've read a few more pages, I am completely content with that notion of not measuring up to his standards. So Socrates starts asking them about absolute uh, beauty, absolute goodness, absolute uprightness. He asks them if they've ever seen absolute tallness or health or strength. And of course, we can't. In part, our senses are not that perfect. And how would you even measure perfection in any of those areas? In trying to make his point, he says this, don't you think that the person who is likely to succeed in this attempt, parenthetically, that's the attempt to perceive absolute beauty or goodness or absolute tallness or health and so on. Don't you think that the person who is likely to succeed in this attempt most perfectly is the one who approaches each object as far as possible with the unaided intellect without taking account of any sense of sight in his thinking or dragging any other sense into his reckoning, the man who pursues the truth by applying his pure and unadulterated thought to the pure and unadulterated object, cutting himself off as much as possible from his eyes and ears and virtually all the rest of his body as an impediment which by its presence prevents the soul from attaining to truth and clear thinking? Bear with me, I am getting somewhere. So again, he's emphasizing that we can basically separate the soul from the body and in our minds, that's where we'll find perfection or truth. Now this is the quote I really wanted to read to you. He says, so long as we keep to the body and our soul is contaminated with this imperfection, there is no chance of our ever attaining satisfactorily to our object, which we assert to be truth, with a capital T, that is. Basically, he thinks that our senses contaminate us. He also mentions diseases and illnesses as being contaminations. Loves, desires, fears, and so on. These are also contaminations. Everything is about separating from the imperfections of our senses to focus on truth with a capital T. It's as if truth with a capital T is equated with perfection. And this is where I find I diverge greatly from him. Let me first add this caveat back in again. Like I said, I am lower on the, on the ladder than an amateur philosopher. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> 
Socrates had decades on me and he is a wiser was a wiser man than I and he is speaking strictly philosophically and I am tending to blend certain things I don't see any truth with a capital T as being perfection of any kind I think it's the imperfections that make things true Perhaps that's true with a lowercase t. It's the imperfections that make things beautiful. It's our flaws that make us unique. As for truths with a capital T, do they exist? We are our senses and our body, so we will always imperfectly experience the world. There's no way to perfectly separate the two. At one point, Socrates does mention that in death is when they will find perfection, truth with a capital T, revealed by God. Taking a step back, if you believe in an afterlife and so on, then maybe his perspective makes sense, that applying yourself to philosophy is preparing yourself for death and dying. That because I don't believe in an afterlife, maybe that's why I have a different perspective? He sees philosophy culminating in death, I see philosophy giving meaning to life. So this book I've been reading from off and on lately, and that I quoted from today, is called The Last Days of Socrates by Plato. As much as I want to continue reading, I am stepping away for a while. I'm fed up with his sycophants who continue to tell him, exactly, that's true, that's so, certainly. Even when there is a countering point, it has no substance to it, or very little substance to it. I know Plato was a fan, but come on. If he took some fiction license here, which, as I understand it, he did, um, I don't understand why he didn't take more. As a reader, I don't need, I don't need the sycophantic replies. I'd rather have banter or a soliloquy, honestly. Anyway, if you have thoughts, let me know. If you know something I don't know or you have a different perspective, fill me in. If you're listening on iTunes or Google Play, you can call me on Anchor or you can tweet me at uh, Seeking Plum on Twitter. I welcome your feedback. Thank you for listening and until next time, I bid you adieu. What's up? It's Kurt. Life with Kurt. How are you? So I love this idea. This idea of philosophy as art. You know, uh, I think the way that he meant it was that philosophy is one of the arts. And, and the arts are, in our day and age, comprised of human expression. But the reality is that back in his time, they were viewed as disciplined. You could say the arts were disciplines, things that you discipline yourself to. So it's similar like dance school, ballet, or even more acutely, martial arts, right? So I think that's how he meant it. But at the same time, it's amazing to think about how each opinion, thought, and detail of us as a human is just a brush stroke on a canvas that is our lives. And we are all masterpieces. Hey Kurt, thank you for your call. You know, you put that uh, very well. I 
had difficulty trying to define exactly what, you know, the arts really mean. And I think you're right. I think that that's probably what he really meant. But somehow or another, I got caught up in this other possibility. Hearing your phone call and your seeing your comment in the discussion about uh, us being masterpieces and our ideas, our collection of ideas making up that masterpiece was really interesting. I have no formal education in philosophy whatsoever, so I probably wonder about these weird things that make no sense. Like, um, is philosophy, or can philosophy be um, a collection of ideas, or is it just an, an idea? But when you broaden it to be a collection of ideas, so this idea concept of it being about us, this collection of ideas, this masterpiece, this changed how I viewed the artist, the philosopher. Because previously I was seeing the artistic approach, I guess you could say, to a specific idea that one might contemplate. But in the way you presented it, it could be an like you said, a collection of ideas, this overall image, this overall masterpiece. He then went on to say something about, and I don't have it in front of me to look at, but something about the ideas being integrated into the, um, maybe the fabric of the universe or something like that. And, and I'm curious exactly what you meant by that. I, I'd like to hear more. And if others would like to participate in that, that conversation or ask questions, I would enjoy that as well. It can be found in the uh, segment under Is Philosophy an Art? And Kurt, I really appreciate your call and your comment, so thanks. Hi, Seeking Club. Alan with Sentient Future. I really liked the question you brought up of does philosophy as life's greatest form of art conflict with the idea that being a philosopher inherently prepares one for death. For me those actually hang together nicely if philosophy is the greatest form of art and in a sense you know philosophy being focused on perhaps how to live then you could say that you know your life ends up being a work of art and that death is ultimately the culmination or the completion of that work. So by complete or not in the artist's eyes as we die, that story remains there for people to potentially appreciate as a work of art, with all of its mistakes and bold brushstrokes. I don't know. What do you think? Hey, Helen. Thanks for your call. I really appreciate this because I feel like I've had my nose against the glass and you've sort of pulled me back. It wasn't quite clicking, and then all of a sudden, there, you brought it together. It sounds silly, but I'm back to resting in this comfy place of, of philosophy being this beautiful entire picture. I liked the idea of it being considered an art, but I couldn't quite, I couldn't quite wrap my head around it. And then Socrates' idea of preparing for death was just so jarring. But when you pull it together the way you did, this to me makes more sense. 
because I can appreciate beauty and imperfections, I, I think it's easier to see um, and appreciate something for being either incomplete or flawed. So even if someone who is a philosopher does not um, complete their desired masterpiece before they pass, there's still this beautiful thing that is there in the end. You know, those words coming out of my mouth in the end make me pause because in the past, in another episode, I talked about how I don't see life as a journey from point A to point B, that it's more of a dance. We don't experience those crescendo moments only or just the final notes. And so it's not the final masterpiece that's always most important. I'm saying this to remind myself not to make this point to you necessarily, just to remind myself that along the way there are these beautiful moments to appreciate. Philosopher or no, those broad strokes, those small delicate strokes, the colors and contrast, the lighting, they're all they're also exquisitely beautiful if we take the moment to just take them in in that moment. Anyway, I'm rambling here, but I just wanted to say thank you for your call. They are always appreciated. Hi, thanks for listening. I'd love to hear from you, be it a comment, call, or clap. Let me know your thoughts here on Anchor or find me on Twitter at Seeking Plum.